Hi, this is Kimberly Kleiman Lee, executive coach, performance consultant, and host of the Do I Dare podcast. If you're a leader who wants to inspire, empower, and raise the leadership bar, then you have come to the right place, my friend. Here you will get access to powerful yet practical solutions that elevate your performance and dissolve roadblocks. Do you dare to lead in a way that moves the needle and scales the impact? Then let's do it. Happy 2024, everyone. It has been a while. It's great to be with you once again. I took a little hiatus after the last podcast, and if you noticed, thank you. If you didn't, well, you probably missed some stuff. In my little corner of the world, here's a bit of a recap on what's happened since the last podcast aired. On the personal side, my dear sweet mom, uh, who lived with us in her final three years of life, passed from her battle of with uh, bone cancer. And we were very fortunate to be able to care for her here at the house and to have my children be able to spend some extra time with their grandma. So super special time, and I appreciate all of the well wishes from those of you who knew about that part of our journey. We also, within two months of that, became empty nesters, which I can't even believe I'm still saying out loud. I've got two, my two daughters, Katie and Lissa, they're both in college here in the Midwest. And my son decided to play juniors hockey for his senior year of high school. And now he's going into his second year of that. So he plays about 70 to 80 games a year and travels a bit. And it's a totally different kind of lifestyle. I got to tell you, I had to be talked into this one a little bit. Uh, But this is his dream. This is his path, his journey. He loves it. If the kid could sleep with ice skates on, he certainly would. Uh, that's how, how much it, it uh, means to him. So I, I give him credit for just following his dream and taking it as far as he can. So with that, I had to reintroduce myself to my husband of 26 years. I wondered who that guy was hanging around the house. And we have now since tried to figure out our new rhythm without all of these extra humans in the house. So that's led to many redecorating projects. We're, we're pretty great partners when it comes to stuff like that. Travel, uh, more calm, uh, and certainly a lot more time together, which I've, I've really, really enjoyed. On the business side, we have officially changed our name from a working human company to KKL and Co. It is just easier. It's easier. It's easier for people to remember. Uh, and uh, I had to be talked into that one as well, but it seems to be the right the right move for us. Uh, we've added some amazing people to the team. A huge shout out to Bob, Chief Operations Husband, and the guy who holds everything together. Meg, Valerie, Haley, Anya, a resident artist, and Ty. So some really just amazing people who have helped us to accomplish all that we're doing. And we grew, we expanded, we opened an online store, which I'm super excited about. We're going to try to add uh, a couple things every quarter. We launched our new People Leader Experience Workshop. Uh, It's our most popular product uh, for sure. Uh, We got our Leader in Every Chair mantra up and running. 
And in two days, I'm so excited to announce this, we will launch our latest newsletter called The Words. It launches on Thursday, January 11th. It is free. It's subscription-based. And you can search an archive uh, over time. Uh, You can also submit your own scenario. So let me tell you a little bit about it, and uh, I'll, I'll tell you how you can actually get access to it. So the words is intended to help all of us have more meaningful and productive conversations. The newsletter is scenario-based, where our team of talented yet imperfect humans outline various um, scenarios uh, and help you understand what might happen if you say nothing, you ignore it, you say the wrong thing, or giving you some options to say the better thing for each of those featured scenarios. We also have a way for you to submit your own scenario, maybe a tough situation that you're facing. I'll put a link to that information in the show notes, so check that out if you have interest. This whole thought about the words newsletter started a few years uh, ago for me. I was noticing in my workshops, my coaching sessions, certainly in my community, my kids' schools, that there was this heightened sensitivity to people wanting to share their thoughts. So they'd they'd hesitate or they'd open with phrases like, I'm sure I'm going to get canceled for saying this, or don't everyone hate on me now after I say what I'm about to say, or people even quitting Facebook because they just can't deal with the nastiness anymore. Um, or people who are sharing information about what it's like to be at work and challenge a point of view or bring up an an opposing thought or try to correct someone's uh, behavior or or help them enhance through some much-needed feedback. All of these folks were just struggling with being able to say what it is they wanted to say because of this heightened awareness of how they might might be perceived, um, and that is ill-intended, where I think most people have great intentions. Most people really want to get it right. Uh, but for whatever reason, we have now opted to not even let people try. A few years ago, I got into a bit of a debate with a group I was working with. They, um, they had this philosophy when I introduced the phrase, assume goodness, they said, no, we don't do that here. So what do you mean you don't do that here? Well, no, if, if you tell people that we know your intentions were good, your intentions were noble, uh, we're giving them a pass for their bad behavior. And as I paused to think about it, my, my rebuttal was, but don't you give them an opportunity to have a do-over, to listen to your point of view, maybe have you introduce another option or some better words or a different way of seeing a situation, if you open with that, you've kind of cut them off from even feeling the, the safety um, to, to learn a different way. And boy, they, they totally disagreed. So much so, they actually had a bit of a movement um, at their place of work about such things. So that's, that's kind of when I knew we were heading down this path, right? So in my work, I certainly try to encourage the opposite, making sure that people know that they should share um, in a kind and loving way what it is they think might be helpful or pertinent or necessary based on what the group 
group is going through or, or facing. All of this shutting others down with such speed, quite frankly, just makes me sad. And if I'm honest, a bit terrified. You guys might have read the article last July from Forbes magazine that said Gen Z is officially the loneliest uh, generation of all time, even more so than those over the age of 65. And usually it's the elderly, those who are done working, they're officially retired, their kids are grown and have moved away. They historically have been the loneliest of of uh, populations, but boy, Gen Z is now, uh, has turned a corner. Uh, really interesting article. It says, um, uh, loneliness is a growing epidemic in most developed countries. Young people aged 16 to 24 feel more lonely than any other age group, including people aged 65 and over. 73% of Gen Zers reported feeling alone, sometimes or always. It's just daunting. 73% of those surveyed reported feeling alone sometimes or always. So they're saying here that um, people who experience social isolation have a 32% higher risk of an early death. And what's so ironic about that is that the Gen Zers are hyper-connected in this kind of virtual world uh, that we live in, but they're socially disconnected. So uh, the the part of the article I thought was just so fascinating to me was, it says millennials were the last analog generation, remembering life before digital technologies hovered up our time. So they were the ones who could kind of have a foot in both worlds. The average American will end up spending 21 years, four months, and 29 days online across the course of their life. And they say, just like how baby boomers needed to learn digital skills, we will soon have to teach Gen Zers and Gen Alpha, next one to come up the ranks, those being born today up through the age of 16, We'll need to teach them basic social skills. That is just amazing to me. So it just felt like a few years ago, there were, was a whole generation and a half of humans who were desperate to catch up with all this technology to make sure that they stayed relevant. And now here we are, just a few years later, where the deficit is just so much more significant than we could have ever imagined. So... This mama cannot have that. I've tried to work with my three humans, and uh, boy, there are only three humans. There are 8.1 billion people in the world, and we can't have a whole generation and a half, maybe more, feeling this alone and this uh, unable to communicate and interact with others. So we got a group of really good humans to help with the words newsletter. We've got some, some pretty interesting scenarios coming up. For example, how do you know when to engage HR at your company? Or how do you break the news that somebody's poster on their wall that sits behind them during Teams meetings might not be the most appropriate for their brand? Or maybe you have an employee who just doesn't act with a sense of urgency or you have a, a peer who kind of 
puts on this class clown type act. Nobody takes them seriously. Maybe you have a really sticky situation. You've hired a friend and things just aren't working out. How do you have a really tough conversation with them? Many of you are hoping for a job change this year, maybe even the the chutzpah to go and, and ask for a raise. Well, we might be able to help you find some words for that. So I am so excited about the launch of the Words newsletter. Again, it's free. It's subscription-based. I'll put the information in the show notes. I'll be learning alongside many of you. Certainly, I'll be writing many of the newsletters, but I'll also hand some of the tough ones over to my friends and colleagues. So again, check out the the show notes for details, or you can go to KimberlyClimanLee.com forward slash the words to check that out. So speaking of the words, I bet you didn't hear that at the end of 2023, Miriam Webster came out with their word of the year, and that word was authentic. Their reasoning was due to the fact that it's getting harder and harder every day to separate fact from fiction. So they selected that particular word. You can only imagine, right, everything that we're facing with the manipulation of of images or people not looking like themselves when they're on video, this concept of deep fakes or just AI in general. I have two kids in college and they are certainly uh, facing this whole dilemma of when to use AI versus not. And then, of course, they're their professors and faculty are just beside themselves with trying to figure out, do we embrace it, support it, encourage it, or is, is it a threat, more so a threat for the quality of the product that they're producing, these graduates? Their, uh, the commentary in this concept of, of authentic being selected as the word of the year is this. It says, although clearly a desirable quality, authentic is hard to define, and subject to debate. So it goes on to talk about some pop culture situations where Taylor Swift and others like her were saying, this is my year to be my true self. Or the Barbie movie that launched, I really enjoyed that one, uh, came out and certainly had a, had a message of being your authentic self, even at the risk of uh, unpleasant behavior. And then, of course, Elon Musk changed the name from Twitter to X, and he is positioning it as social media's most authentic platform. So really fascinating to see, again, where some of this uh, might be going with the technology advances that we're, we're facing and that threaten concepts of authenticity. So I'm often reminded when I hear the word authentic about one of my absolute favorite articles. It's by Adam Grant. He's a leadership theorist, professor, philosopher of sorts. He wrote an opinion piece for the New York Times a few years back, and the title is, Unless You're Oprah, Be Yourself is Terrible Advice. Love this article. I'll put it uh, a link to it again in in the show notes, but he goes on to explain that we're in the age of authenticity, where be yourself is the defining advice in life, love, and career. And we've got folks like Brene Brown and Oprah herself and others that are saying, hey, this is the time that we should really be able to embrace everybody in all their glory and not expect them to be 
something that they are not. So what's interesting about that is, uh, as they go on to say, this is one of my favorite parts of the article, it says, um, if I can be authentic for a moment, nobody wants to see your true self. We all have thoughts and feelings that we believe are fundamental to our lives, but that are better left unspoken. So he says being yourself is actually terrible advice for most of us. So he uh, interviews um, an author, A.J. Jacobs, and he says, deceit makes our world go round, he concluded. Without lies, marriages would crumble, workers would be fired, egos would be shattered, and governments would collapse. That's probably some truth to that. Uh, they go on to talk about this concept of self-monitoring. It's something I work with quite a bit in my coaching practice. Uh, it says, how much you aim for authenticity depends on a personality trait called self-monitoring. If you're a high self-monitor, monitorer, you are constantly scanning your environments for social cues and adjusting accordingly. You hate social awkwardness and you're desperate to avoid offending anybody. But if you are a low self-monitor or you're guided more by your inner states, regardless of your circumstances, you don't read a room, uh, you will say again the first thing that comes to mind or what you think is absolutely necessary. So those who are low self-monitors uh, tend to have a, a different take on the world and how to navigate it. And again, sometimes that just doesn't work when you're trying to get on and get along with others. So again, found that fascinating. Check out that article in the, uh, in the show notes as well. So in the spirit of all that is authentically you, and trying to do my best to help you be a little bit more you, meaning to get the time and the effort and the energy and the space to be able to do what you want to do in 2024, I thought I'd end today's podcast with a typical scrappy to-do list for those of you needing a bit more control over yourselves, your time, your effort, as you start this new year. So here's my top 10 list for more of you in 2024. First, I'm gonna recommend that you scan your emails and unsubscribe to any repeat email that you have not opened in a month. See if you miss it. Just go unsubscribe, empty your inbox, make sure that you have less coming in. That will give you more time to focus on the stuff that matters. Second, scan your calendar. Reset all of your one-on-ones if you're a people leader. Ask your employees to own those and to schedule those meetings. I would even challenge you to try to get those meetings to be 30 minutes or less. Maybe make them weekly as opposed to for an hour every other week. Um, or if you can do 30 minutes every other week, fantastic. Try to see if you can reduce some of that time, really structure the meeting, teach folks how to have a great update meeting, and uh, if at all possible, try to group all of those one-on-ones for the same morning or day so that once you get into that rhythm, uh, people can really uh, sense that you are present and available and certainly consuming all that they have to share. Number three, also scan your calendar for any reoccurring meetings that either should have probably ended in 2023 or need to be freshened up for the new year. Perhaps you're not the right participant for all of those meetings. Maybe you could delegate to a 
an employee or a peer who is better suited for that content. Or perhaps that particular meeting doesn't need to be uh, scheduled as often or frequently as it is. This is your time to challenge the stuff that is on your calendar. So take an inventory and, and uh, see what you might be able to, uh, to cut out of taking so much of your time. Number four, block the first two hours of every Monday and the last two hours of every Friday for yourself. Now that's at minimum. Of course, I'd love for you to have some thinking time every day, but at minimum, see if you can get that hour or two on Monday and the last hour or two on Fridays just for yourself. It's a great way for you to get to the office, even if you're working at home, be able to get yourself organized, thoughtful, planful, scan what you have coming up uh, ahead of you that week, and then certainly on Friday, do a, a week in review to see if you want to change anything for the, the new upcoming week. Dedicate this time to thinking and preparation. Always super, super important. Number five, invest in a really good planner. And oh, by the way, Microsoft Outlook is not a planner. One of my favorites is by Michael Hyatt. It's called the Full Focused Planner. Uh, the Covey organization has their very own system. You guys know all the, the biggies out there, but you can simply Google planners and you'll be able to find one that helps. The goal of a really good planner is to have it focused on what you want to actually accomplish, not just getting you from one meeting to the next. That's where people go wrong and they they count on Outlook as opposed to something that really directs their attention, not just their time. So again, my, my favorite is Michael Hyatt's. I'll, I'll put a link to it in the show notes as well. Number six, if you made any commitments to yourself at the beginning of the new year, like maybe you want to work out more during the day or you want to leave at a decent hour each night, maybe you want to try to make your kids Thursday night game or you want to... Um, uh, make sure that you take a little bit more time for yourself on the weekends. Make sure you block that out on your calendar as well. It is a-okay to block some much-deserved wellness time uh, for yourself. And then, of course, protect it. Don't let others override it with their meetings when at all possible. I know sometimes that's out of your control, but you'd be surprised at how much people would be willing to try to accommodate something that's important to you if you just make it known to them. Number seven, if you're one that is in back-to-back -back meetings day after day, week after week, uh, I would recommend changing your meeting durations. If you typically have a 30-minute meeting, try to make it 25. If you typically have an hour meeting cadence, try to make that meeting 50 minutes instead. That will give you some much-needed time to take a break, walk across the building to get to your next meeting on time, or maybe just simply clean up your notes from the, uh, the previous meeting. So you'd be surprised at how much just that simple little tweak will actually get you some more of you back. You can actually set your Outlook settings to accommodate a 25 or a 50-minute meeting. So just, again, check that out and um, uh, let me know how it goes. Number eight. Identify one area for growth, personal growth and development for you this year. It could be a skill, a behavior you've wanted to work on, something that's been on your performance review year after year. could be a hobby you want to adopt or um, maybe a relationship you want to nurture. Just pick one thing, one area, and build a plan. 
how do you think you're going to tackle that? How, how will you be successful? And that, of course, will take uh, rhythm and routine. If you have not already read it, my all-time favorite book about building a new habit is called Atomic Habits. Uh, James Clear is the author, and he just announced that he was awarded the number one book of 2023 in all genres. So again, worth checking out. Um, the, the proof is in the, uh, the rating on that one. Number nine, scan the upcoming year and build in your vacation time. Book it. Get your flight arranged, book your hotel, use your miles, use your points, get your family and friends excited about it. Try to build in some extended time. I'd say each quarter if you could. That's that's actually at the top of my list this year. I'm already planning a vacation in uh, in February, much needed since the one that I, the only one that I had scheduled for last year had to be canceled. So uh, I am off to a solid start. Everything is booked. We are ready to go. It's just my husband and I. Uh, and uh, that is going to be hopefully the first of a brand new habit to come. So some cultures do this much better than we in the States. Uh, so for those of you who have uh, colleagues and friends abroad uh, or not in the States, I would definitely ask them for their, their tips and tricks. It's a mindset, right, that you need that time to recover and recoup. Number 10, think about volunteering to one organization whose purpose or intention you can get behind. Is it coaching and mentoring children or teaching English to non-native English speakers? Do you want to volunteer at your kid's school or perhaps go on a mission trip? Maybe you're a, a handy guy or gal. Uh, could you uh, join Habitat for Humanity? Do something other than just writing a check. That's important too, don't get me wrong, but getting your hands dirty and, uh, dirty and putting your heart in it just does something to the soul. And I'd highly recommend bringing your loved ones along. You'd be amazed at what a, a difference that will make, especially for those who are just feeling a little down or that they've, they've lost their, their place. Okay, I've got a bonus one for you. Number 11, invest in a really good, high-quality set of note cards, uh, greeting cards, preferably monogrammed, one that has your name or initials on it. It's always great for folks to be able to to put a name with the sentiment that they still feel as they're recalling those words that you wrote to them. Try to spend at least one card per week. What I mean by that is try to notice somebody, catch somebody doing good, congratulate them for a job well done, thank them for an extra effort, uh, notice uh, something that they've tried, even if it didn't go so well, but at least recognize their effort uh, in some way. Again, you'll be surprised at how that changes the environment around you and could certainly just make somebody's day. And I aim for a few more of those this year. So with that, my friends, thank you so much again for listening and staying with me and uh, tuning back in. It's going to be a phenomenal year and all because we reconnected. Until next time. Thanks again for listening to the Do I Dare podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share. And we'd love to hear from you. DM us on Instagram or LinkedIn. Share a topic of interest or a struggle that's top of mind for you. We'll give you a shout out on a future podcast. And for more information about Do I Dare and all things leadership, 
visit KimberlyKleimanLee.com, sign up for our weekly newsletter, and stay tuned for exclusive content access to the tools and resources you need to lead.